Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Hey, good morning, City Life. Good to see you all. My name is Jerome. Good to see you online as well. Yep, I'm talking to you. You? Who, me? Yep, you. You know, when you watch something, you want it to be personal. And it is right now. There's people watching, and God is fully present there as he is fully present here. Today, we'll continue the heartbeat for one, to be one with God and one with each other. Last week, we covered just a fraction of the material that we hope to lead us through. It was part one. You can go back and revisit that. I'll give a recap here in just a moment. Today will be part two, and it might lead to part three. We're not sure. We'll see how far we get today. Because this isn't a topic that you can just kind of digest quick and move on, unless you want hot pocket results, that is. Just put it in, and you're eating pizza within two, three minutes. But let's be real. You're not eating pizza. You're burning your face. So we don't want a hot pocket experience this morning. Shout out to Hot Pockets, though. It's definitely not a bad thing. But in order for us to be one, we're going to have to curate and slow cook and process and do the soul work, which is often, if not always, the slow work. To be one with God and one with each other. In Lansing, there's quite a bit of construction going on right now. There was a bridge that was being repaired and redone, Aurelius, Mount Hope, and if you're traveling Aurelius North, it becomes Clemens there before it gets to Michigan, and that bridge was down for some time, so you had to find a different way to get to your location if you took that. Well, how we're one with each other, there's many different ways to get to your destination because we're all different people, but there's only one cornerstone that made it possible for us to be one with God. The bridge was out. The rebellion uh, that we all have been born into, this great chasm, this great gap that we can't get back to God. So God got back to us through Jesus. Can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But we're justified by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And as we're traveling throughout our city, to continue that illustration for a moment, you'll see speed limits and laws of the land that we abide by. And in God's word, he would give the law and laws for individuals to understand what it would be like to live in a way that is like God for God, but to be connected with God. And you had what is known as high priests that would enter the temple or a synagogue or have a a ceremony to offer sacrifices, burnt offerings on behalf of the people's sin. So the high priest was a mediator so that people could be connected with God because we're all lawbreakers. We all broke the law. Like, we're sinners. And that's not to shame us, condemn us, it's hopefully to set the stage for how beautiful the one who not just made it possible 
to drive on the bridge, but made a way. It's what Devin shared during our time of generosity that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. So he's the great mediator. And now we don't need a middleman anymore. We don't need a person, not somebody on stage. It, it, you, we all, in Jesus, can become priests, sons and daughters, to connect with God closer than the air we breathe because of Jesus. And that's that third song we sang. He is Jesus. He is Jesus. Jesus makes it possible for us to be one with God. And Jesus makes it possible for us to be one with each other. So I pray today would be another dose in a pathway to have us travel in Jesus as the way so that we can live how, what he wanted for us to model that we'd be one. Different, yeah, but one. Going to Mark's gospel in chapter 12 well, Mark recording Jesus' gospel, is verse 28, picking up the story. It says, one of the scribes approached, and when he heard them debating, so picture this right now online, debating, just, I, this, you know, you, you can tag a link of whatever you believe in. I saw a Twitter post the other day from a highly respected intellectual who goes, my comments in my feed are filled with people I cannot believe that person sees and thinks that way. Check out this information. And he goes, the information is completely opposite. Is it, both, is it possible that each person could be right? Or is it possible that each person could be wrong? Or is there some overlap? I think we've lived long enough to know that there is for sure overlap. Life can't just be black and white. It's not how it works. You lose the nuance. We we lose, okay, so if I'm traveling on that road, who said I had to use a car? We can walk. Who said I had to travel at whatever speed? We could sit down. We start to make life so linear, it's ones and zeros, and I, I, who's winning and who's losing, and it's just not the full expression or the empathy of what God wants to teach us. And so leaning into this moment here, there's debating going on, and Scribes saw that Jesus answered them well. And he asked him, being Jesus, what command, what law is the most important of all? I hope we lean into this. Hey, what? This is the answers to the test, y'all. If you've read Leviticus, Let's be honest, you probably skip some chapters because the laws start, or the genealogy, you start, what is going on here? You start, because there's so much laws, what applied for them then, what applies to us now, and how is it one story? Well, Jesus gives us the most important of all, and he sequentially puts it this way. Jesus answered, the most important is, listen, Israel. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. So Jesus ranks it. He's like, yeah, there's a lot of laws. 
and I'm going to sum it up all for you. One with God is most important. At the end of the day, there's only one relationship that matters most. It's our relationship with God. The neat thing about Jesus is when we respond to him in his loving affection and pursuit of us, by grace, through faith, and quite a mystery, we try to give it all these answers to these theological tests. But we know for sure it's God's doing, it's his saving. But yet the mystery is he partners up with our yes that we respond to that. We say, you're the one. It's you. We lose our lives to gain him. We say, I'll follow you anywhere. You are life. You're better than bread today. You're better than any house I can get. It's you, Jesus. You're the one. You're the Messiah, the chosen one, the promised one coming to rescue your Savior and King and Lord. Whatever you say goes. When you see his rhythm, it's not a heavy one. Though he could give us any type of command and he could demand whatever, but it's light and loving in his yoke where he's doing all the heavy lifting. The grace saving us is the grace sustaining us. It's his strength making us one with God and as his sheep in the fold, sons and daughters. He doesn't lose one of his kids. He's got a great batting record. And it's a mystery. Well, do we fall away from the faith? And do I have a doing? Yeah, absolutely. There is an involvement of me following the orders and giving allegiance to King Jesus. But we must remember how we've been bought. We've been bought with a priceless cost on the cross, taking the cup and drinking the cup in the punishment of all of the sins of all of mankind forever. And there's only one name that could do that. Jesus closes the gap. And so Jesus is teaching us the way here, saying, love God, we use this language here, with your heart, with your mind, your head, and with your hands, your strength. It's all about you and God. But you'll notice it never ends there. Throughout all of the New Testament and the Old, but let's just pick it up from Jesus and then post Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven, we have... One another verses everywhere. How much you love God will be displayed how well we love one another. <laughs> Where do we find that at? It's hard to find. Where do we love one another? We can say we love one another, but oftentimes what it's built on is a mirage. It's built on likes or interests or preferences or just because we all share some land that we go to the same job or we have family that we did just born into it, so we kind of, oh, this is how it is. But God wants something rich, richer and deeper. And the premise is first understanding how much he loves you and how much he loves me. And when we fathom that, something beautiful starts to happen. The same way he loves us, he loves the person on the left. He loves the person on the right. And this is where you see. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. We'll do some, once we get to the new year and we, we spend time of uh, consecration, just kicking the year off right, and, or kicking the year off intentional. 
not right or wrong, just intentional to say, hey, God, here we are. It's typically snowing in Michigan around January, February, so what a great time to hibernate with God. And as we do that, we say, okay, God, you can have all of me. Let me just see who you are. And an identity grows as a king's kid. And we lay our lives down before the Lord in prayer and with time and through formation as a family here. But if you notice, as yourself, if we don't love ourselves or understand how much Jesus loves us, the reason those consecration times are so fundamental is because we can't give a love that we don't first believe for ourselves and what God has done. We will always be like bone on bone or gear without oil, just metal grinding. Because we don't, might not love ourselves because what's happened in our life or what somebody else told us. And but the cool thing is when we're in Jesus, He's renewing us, he's transforming us, and he's leading us from a posture of family, of father-son, of abiding, and of course, king, and yes, sir, let's go. But It's flowing from a relationship as one with him. And then, watch this, verse 32. The scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one, and there is no one except all else except him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Wait, isn't that how we get right with God? Don't I have to do something? Don't I have to show up? Isn't that how it worked up till this point for the children of Israel? I think it's a fair thought. Everything in our life is, if you do this, you get that. Our relationships are built on that contractual understanding, but where it starts to change is the covenant with Jesus. It's unbreakable. It's so beautiful. So the scribe is understanding everything to the depth of what it's about. And then Jesus says, wait, you answered wisely. You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to question him any longer. I love that. Jesus is so wise. Um, that's the understatement of the message so far. But notice his tone, notice his tact. When we read it, exclamation point, we always think yell or something. It's not like Jesus has a way that, remember his last week we looked at, he welcomes the sinners and they eat with him. And then he gives us language of what the kingdom in the heartbeat of heaven is like, that God goes after the lost sheep. God cares about the lost coin in the house. And God throws a party for the lost son that comes home. And this, is a, this can be a word for someone here today. It is both and, either or. What is the posture of the father? The posture of the father is always caring about the one, me and you. But what he did in the stories are different. The shepherd went out to find the sheep. 
the lady found the coin in the house, the father representing the lady in that, as the father's the one who finds we are his. And then the father, though, in the prodigal son story, which can also be known as just the sons, because the older brother has some issues, just like us as well, is actually should be uh, the good father. The good father stays home, though, after being humiliated and missing his son, but just waits and looks patiently. Sometimes we do stay home. And that's not an excuse for us to say, well, uh, I don't have to leave and go help anybody. No, no, just check the, the, the father is always in control, poised and confident, but the heartbeat's still the same. I care. I want to bring redemption. I want to bring freedom. I want to bring connection. I want my kids to have a way to come home. This is, this is new life. That's what it means to be born again to be one with God. But to confront to being one with God, apart from Jesus, there's a gap. So we'll define that today uh, throughout this project. We've, we've named it just the gap, that the bridge is out. There's a gap between us and God apart from Jesus, and there's a gap between us and each other apart from God doing the, the sanctifying work and us being on mission to connect in a life-giving manner. So this gap is in three categories for this project. First is, there's a racial gap. We look different, which is awesome, but it's different. Outside, each one of us, different. And even gender, different. Second, cultural, there's a gap. We like different things from each other, different foods, different music. Culture will eat vision for lunch every day of the week. Culture always, the culture of the people, what we like, what we like to do. Who is culture? What is culture? How do you quantify culture? Culture is me and you. It's us. And the third is class. The gap between us is many times often experienced by money. And cultural, we could put where we live, and even class could be where we live. And, and, but in Christ, there's a few things that are true, and first principles matter. So on this path with a heartbeat for one is we are one race. We're all made in the image of God. We're the human race. We are one. But in this one, we each represent one life. One life matters to God. Each one of us different, experience different things. Just because you might look like someone else doesn't mean you've walked in their shoes and their upbringing's the same. And processing today, God is omnipresent, able to know the intimate details of each one of our lives, one life matters but one doesn't matter that much unless it is yours and when it's yours it changes everything when it's our kid our block our schools that intimate understanding i think gives us compassion for someone else's one because we're all connected they're all gods 
And then lastly, in Jesus, Jesus prayed that we would be one, one body, y'all. Like we are one body. One body. So how do we close the gap? And we'll pick up from there. How do we close this gap then? Between God, well, that's Jesus, he closed that gap. And now with each other. Here's four A's to help us understand. Recapping, uh, we won't go far into this one, but last week we got as far as number one, aware. Awareness. Awareness is having knowledge or perception of a situation or fact. We might just not know. We prejudge situations. We have biases that we project based upon an experience that may or may not be true. Things we see on TV, they may or may not be true. Some of it is staged. In our awareness, as we get more awareness racially and culturally and economically, our heart starts to get softer, but there is a bait of Satan to get hardened and calloused and say, oh yeah, yeah, I'm aware of what's going on there and I don't like it and I don't like those people, y'all. Let's, get, let's just get personal. Let's, let's, just get, let's just jump. Cannonball, deep end, 9-11. I don't think anyone in this country was rejoicing at what happened on that tragic day. But what so happened subtly was if you practice and are a follower as a Muslim and a follower of Islam, then somehow what happens so subtly on TV is you think, well, then that's why the towers went down. And there was a couple years ago, I was watching a special of um, followers of the Muslim faith, and they were in Dearborn. So I perked up. It's in Michigan. And in the special during Ramadan, the time of fasting, one, I got to see it more from a perspective. There was admiration. Admiration. For, for how they were following their faith. There was fun nuance as they ate and hung out. And also, they weren't minimized to some low-light experience that might not represent the full picture of what they believe or not. And then there was this moment where there was a new station on TV, and they were talking about how the 9-11 event and it was saying, all Muslims believe this. And they stopped it. And the kid looked over and, he's, and he looked at the camera and he started to tear up. And he goes, is this how the whole world believes we are? And I thought, oh, that's the danger of a single story. Maybe up to that point, to some, yeah, maybe that's how it was for many of us seeing it. But then when you see it from another side, another perspective... Awareness grows. And let me give you another example of how awareness can grow. And awareness doesn't try to solve today. So just let me pull you back. We, we want to solve something. Yeah, but what? What did Muhammad believe in? Did, chill out. Chill out. Awareness. Compassion. Empathy. I'm watching another special. There's an individual who's an artist. His name's David Cho. And he did some work out in, with the tribes in Tanzania. 
And from a class perspective, it would look like they don't have a lot. They don't have running water. There's not electricity. Um, but there was this moment in the special where the, the tribe found out that in America we used toilets to, you know, go to the john. So where did that term come from? I need more awareness there. And they said, we poop in the bush. You guys poop on a seat in a house? And they just started laughing. They were like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I thought, oh, yeah. But if I come with a bias that says you need a toilet, and that would make us more one, maybe they can teach me a lot more by the way they were having fun and how close they were. And we can learn something from everybody. This plays out into our block parties. We're not coming there as, the church is here, the saviors are here, da, 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 da. No, no, one, there's only one savior, Jesus, and he has a way of how he does business. He doesn't see people as projects. He doesn't strip mine a region. He's there. He knows the kingdom's already in every single person, and that's what he, he's like trying to unlock what's in them. And you see and you learn, and, and, and we've gotten questions before, man, how is the mission of the Love the City Truck working? One, it's just an extension of God's love. God loves people, they belong, they have purpose, and we get to partner up with what he's already doing, and then when we get there, we realize we're learning all the time. We're in this together. It's so fun. We're not here like, look at us, the church is here. Da, 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 oh, you didn't accept Jesus? Oh, I'm so sorry. See ya. Well, this plays out again at our dinner table, awareness. We're sitting with the kids, and we're not heroes uh, for this, so... I'm not bragging, you know, you don't want to really talk about your giving, but this gives you context. We, we decided to sponsor one individual from uh, Compassion International, and we went on the list. Uh, we looked to who hadn't been sponsored the longest, you know. We didn't want a kid to not have. Compassion International is an organization that helps connect a sponsor with a child to get them the necessary resources to give them an enhanced quality of life that will give them opportunity on the planet i.e. food, uh, i.e. water, i.e. education. And for 30 bucks a month, you can help 10x somebody's life, maybe 100x. So that's a, that's a fair deal. We watched some of the videos. The kids are, we're like, oh, we're praying. Who do we sponsor, all this, you know? And Because and, uh, this person's gonna become part of our family. And uh, we haven't done a good job of connecting. We haven't went there. We're not even sure if all of our letters go or the letters come back. And we don't know where begins but we started with a yes and we said okay put your bank account let's connect to this story and then we're sitting at the table and we won't say his name we'll just say his name is uh little boy jay today little boy jay we're like who do you want to pray for and the kids are like little boy jay i go oh dang that's sweet we're praying for little boy jay the one we're sponsoring and then i go wait why are we praying for little boy jay and they go, same thing, if, if I'm honest, of why I would think I need to pray for him. Little boy Jay might not have a lot. Little boy Jay might need help because we're helping him, right? And I paused. I said, nah. Little boy Jay might have things that we need. Little boy Jay might have more fruit of the Spirit than we can even understand. Little boy Jay might be so close to the Father. I don't want to project 
and it starts to shape our prayer. We just say, hey, God, thank you for little boy Jay. Thank you that he, he can teach us things here too. How can we learn from him? And we're thankful that we live in a place where we had an extra 30 bucks. But see, sometimes if you're the one writing the check, you think you got nothing to learn. But awareness changes everything racially, culturally, and economically. So for all people, what do, what's, it, what's the Asian experience like in America? What's it like to be from the Middle East here? What's it like to speak with an accent? We've all seen those videos where somebody's like, you know, go back to where you came from, which would be almost every one of us. And using that pretty, like, maybe 99.99 of us. We start to get entitled, don't we? It creeps in. I don't want us to just move on yet. So these messages, they'll get us to a place in the weeks ahead of, of action. It'll be But awareness to continue that. And then secondly, with awareness, it starts to, I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to accept or admit the existence of a truth. I got to acknowledge it. Yep, that's real. Those situations are different. Each person's experience is different. And as I acknowledge it, I have the knowledge now. Knowledge isn't enough. Knowledge, when applied right, that's what wisdom is. It's not enough to just know, like knowledge is power. No, 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 no. Knowledge, when applied at the right time, that's power. No one wants to know it all. Nobody cares how much we know until they know how much we care. That was like a WWE moment where I'm up on the ropes and it's just jumping. <laughs> you know? And I find, as a parent, I just want to tell the kids what I know. They don't care. They want to hear Wendy's four for four first and then we're going to go there. With, with inflation, it might be four for 40 in a minute. That's what they want to know. Knowledge. This is where it starts to get uh, personal. But take inventory first and be accountable of what's going on in here. Give an account to God. Is my ignorance contributing to more of the gap? Would I watch that video of the tribe and think, oh, man, they need some clothes. They need some water. But they hang out a heck of a lot better than most of the interactions I see here. So what if we just take off more of these, um, just like uh, stumbling blocks and and, uh, get closer to people and and come with a spirit of curiosity a little bit more, like a child? Because all of us are gods. And the term is empathy. Ethan, will you pull up that picture? Uh, Pastor uh, Michael in... uh, he does a lot of inner city work and coaching with the City to City Network. His last name's, uh, I'm not remembering this moment. I want to give him credit for this because he posted this. So we just ripped it off his Instagram. But he definitely gets credit for this. And he posted this, and he was like, why empathy is important. Empathy means to enter in or to see something, to experience through someone else's life. 
sympathy, not just say, oh, it must be nice. Not pity, but empathy, because God has massive empathy for each one of us. Because God knows everything what we can't see. In this room, there is all of this going on today. And none of us can carry the weight of each other's burdens. That's why I don't do a lot of counseling. I'm not the best at it. Sometimes people think because you preach, you counsel. Yeah, maybe for about an hour, but then you got to go get to a real therapist. Because there's soul work going on in here. Trauma, struggles, regrets, thoughts, pains, feelings. Once you get past the surface, we are a messed up human like population on this planet. We need some deep, deep help. And if we don't think we need help, I don't know if we're given the full picture of accountability and awareness of our own self. We've talked a lot about the gap of each other and being aware of each other, but what would it look like to be aware of not only each other's pain, but our own pain? Now, there is a fine line as you get close to what we can't see racially and culturally and economically. We start to then become um, professional victims, or we, if we aren't careful, we're addicted to talking about it, and that's the nuance we, we can't project. Someone, someone in this room needs to hear today, man, rise up in Jesus Christ and walk out of that grave because in him whom the sun set free is free indeed. But there's somebody else who said that, heard that message for so long and is like, man, I need Jesus to move into my pain because it's hurt and no one wants to listen for one second, Jesus does. I don't know where you're at. But as we begin to land this plane of part two today, if I could invite the worship team up, this is, this is where we're ending today, is the fourth A is action. Awareness, acknowledge, accountability. Am I contributing to the gap? And then I'm going to take action. What do I do? How do I get that bridge repaired? Remember, with God, we can't. Jesus, Jesus did, and Jesus can't. That third song we sang is, he is Jesus. Jesus, knowing that we can't get back to God, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world in their sin. That we're our, in, in sin, it's already condemning enough. But that through him, the son, we may be saved, be one with God. Siri just found something for me. <laughs> Siri got saved right there. Siri's like, I found, yes, I was lost when I'm Our action in the week ahead, in the weeks ahead, we'll be using a, like, what action do I take to close the gap? I'll, we'll be talking about that. You don't need to pull that up, but to close the gap, close the gap, we have to get close to the gap. Jesus is so close sees every mistake, sees every regret, sees every tough situation, and he's saying, I love you. I want to help heal you. I want to do soul work. 
I want to show you what it, real love looks like. Not a love just that you hear, but a love that you would feel and know and see through action. In his action, in his life, that lived the life we couldn't and died the death we should have. Jesus, the one who closed the gap for us, that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, we will be saved. So in this moment, we remember the one who closed the gap. He is Jesus. And if you're in this place and you haven't responded to his love yet, I pray today he is Jesus. And that this song would be therapeutic, entering in, going past what maybe we can't see today in each other's lives. And he's going right down, right beneath the surface, right to where the real hurts and the worries and the pains are. And he's not trying to just keep us in that state forever. He loves us too much. He wants to lead us to empower us. But he definitely will enter in through empathy and compassion Jesus wept when he saw the pain of people crying over Lazarus being dead. And before he raised them from the dead, Jesus wept. The shortest verse in all of the text, he wept. So he cares when you care. He hurts when you hurt. He weeps with us right here, right now. So you don't have to stand. You might want to stand. You might want to come up front as we just look at Jesus, the one who closed the gap for us who took action. When our bridge was out, we couldn't get back to God. He was so aware of our situation. It was not only acknowledged by God. God took so much accountability. He took the sin on himself. He who knew no sin became sin for me and you. What greater message that I could give my life to? I pray today that we re-up with the one who's closer than the air we breathe. He is Jesus. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing Podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.